Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. Today's Beef Watch Podcast is part of the 2020 Silage for Beef Cattle webinar series, which we've been recording podcasts for. And today's focus is around a producer's perspective on harvesting, storing, and feeding corn silage. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by David Reber, who's a consultant based in East Central Iowa. Thanks for joining me today, David. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Well, David, before we dive into our topic a little bit, share with us a little more about yourself and your role there as a consultant that works with co-ops and their clientele in East Central Iowa. You bet, Aaron. Thanks for the opportunity to visit with, with your producers over there. Uh, I've been doing feedlot consulting and cow-calf consulting for just short of 30 years. Uh, went to school at Iowa State, got an animal science degree there. Uh, been working in East Central Iowa that entire time. Come from a family farm. My uh, my folks fed cattle for a hundred years, so well not they themselves. They're that farm's had cattle on it for a hundred years. So kind of that's that's the heart and soul of of my family and and my passion and my interest. So we work with approximately a quarter million head of cattle in in East Central Iowa. About ninety percent of my work would be with feedlots, and about ten percent with with cow calf operations. Uh, I was talking to you before, Aaron, a little bit about the fact that we're we're kind of in the we're in the heart of gluten country over here with Cedar Rapids, Iowa being right in the middle of my territory. We're fortunate we have we have access to all kinds of wet feeds over here. So that does affect kind of how we how we utilize different feedstuffs in this area because we do have that available. Well you mentioned as we were getting ready to come on and visit that uh, you've seen some kind of changes over time in terms of the amount of corn silage that your clientele are using in their operations. I give a little perspective and background on that and, and where you see corn silage headed today in terms of where people are thinking about using that as part of a feed resource they depend on. Yes, Aaron, it, it's interesting how corn silage usage has changed in the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, 15 years ago, probably 50, 60% of the operations I work with were utilizing corn silage in their diet. And then about eight to 10 years ago, we had a stretch in there when we could buy gluten for $30, $40 a ton, and we could buy distillers very similar to that. And we had all kinds of $50, $60 a ton hay out there. It, it made it very tough to justify corn silage in that scenario because we had we had gluten and hay so cheap. So we, we got down to the fact that, you know, we were, we were probably only utilizing corn silage in 10% of our diets over here. Well, then everything kind of changed here a couple of years ago. We had, um, we had gluten and, and distillers go up in value. We've had corn prices fluctuating quite a bit. We've, you know, we've, we've gone up there and touched that $4 range on corn. Obviously we're significantly less than that now. You know, we had hay prices go from $50, $60 a ton up to $150 to $200 a ton in, in some of those time frames. So now we've, we've had some folks come back, you know, taking a good hard look at corn silage as a, as a feedstuff that pencils in pretty good when you, you put a value in there somewhere in that $30 to $40 a ton range and, and gluten being, you know, $50 to $60 a ton instead of, 15 years ago being 30 to $40 a ton. So that, that corn silage comes back into rations. So we, we look for some usage, usage this fall to be quite high again. 
as you look at the clientele you work with and you think about those who really do a good job in terms of harvesting, storing, and feeding corn silage, what are some key things that you consistently see they do well? The, the folks that do an exceptional job, you know, kernel processors are used, you know, in those operations. And over here, that's pretty much become the, the norm anymore. There's, there's not a whole lot of silage made without the processors in there. So first of all, having the processors in there, doing a good job on that chop, getting that, that length where they want it. You know, and then you, you start talking about, I, I'm big on about three main things, that, that moisture level. Let's make that silage when it needs to be made. Now, some of that obviously depends on our storage structures. We would still have a handful of upright silos, storage structures. You know, in those situations, that silage has to be made just a little bit drier, closer to that 60% moisture, just so we don't have drainage coming out of those upright silos. That's kind of becoming less and less of, a, of an issue because we get less and less of those, those structures being utilized. So now it's, it's more and more bunker silos and bags with, with mainly the bunker silos. So those bunker silos, to get that good pack, th those folks are shooting for a 65, 66% moisture, you know, low to mid 30s for dry matter on that silage in those bunkers to get that good pack. You know, and then in the bags, bags probably give you a little bit more flexibility with their structure. We would still have some of those made over here. And those folks kind of shoot for 65% moisture as well, but they've got some flexibility going into that that um, that bag. So doing those things right, you know, when you start talking about that bunker silo, managing that face, you know, getting that uh, that that face edger involved there. If you don't have an edger, don't knock down any more silage than what you plan on feeding that day. So just just kind of keeping that that face clean and uh, and managing managing that throughout the day. Don't cut the, you know, if you're covering it with, with plastic, don't cut that plastic back any farther than, than where you've got the silage in the bunker, of course, because we're, we're trying to keep that spoilage from the top as good as we can. And then, you know, talking about having that plastic cover on there, just making sure we're, we're doing a good job of getting those. Over here, a lot of tires getting utilized. You know, some folks using some lime as well on top of there. So, so getting that plastic on as quick as we can after we get that bunker filled, hopefully within 24 hours after, after completing the bunker, and then, uh, and then having those tires butted up against each other so that we got a, an excellent cover over top of there, you know, and, and then just doing a good job of packing it. And, and that's something that we're doing a better job today than we used to. You know, folks are getting weights on those tractors. I don't have the exacts in front of me as far as, as pounds, what we're shooting for on there, but you know, packing, packing as we're filling as good as we possibly can. Now that can be a challenge with some of these custom operators with, with high volumes coming in, you know, and, and you got to bring in multiple, multiple packing tractors in some of those scenarios. So that, that's, that's a pretty key thing. You know, then throw inoculant usage in there. I'm, I'm a big fan of inoculants. K-State's done a tremendous amount of work on there, you know, and it's, it's hard to find a, a trial where, you don't show a benefit by using inoculant. So, you know, manage those moisture levels, use inoculant, process those kernels, pack it well, get it covered. You know, that, that's, that's in a nutshell now. Easier said than done. A lot of work goes into getting all those things taken care of, but that, that's probably the keys to it.
as you look at folks there who do a good job getting it packed, and I just, you know, some of the equipment we have today in terms of custom choppers and the volume that they can bring to a pile uh, can almost overwhelm, I think, folks that are packing. What are some things you see producers do there? And you already mentioned get some more tractors on the packing end of things, but how do they manage that well to try to, obviously you want to get that harvest of silage done in a timely way, but you also want to make sure you have a quality product that's getting packed well in your bunker. How do you see folks manage that well? Yeah, Aaron, and that, that can definitely be a big challenge. I mean, we've got 12 row choppers out there bringing feed in by the truckload, obviously quite quickly, you know, the multiple packers having a, an approximate or a, an appropriate amount of weight on those packing tractors. So we've got some folks doing the, the cement weights back behind to try to help, you know, get, get a little extra down pressure on that. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of duels on a packing tractor, unless it's from a safety standpoint to, to get on the edges a little bit safer. You know, I, I guess I'd rather have the single tires in the back and, and get a little more, more down pressure utilizing that. So, so basically it comes down to equipment because we all know we're probably not going to slow down, you know, those custom operators. They're going to go when they're there. You know, some folks will say, well, I pack them a little bit extra at the end of the day or at the end of the job, and that'll help your top three, four, five inches, but that doesn't, that doesn't help the, the six feet below that or the eight feet below that. So I don't, I don't want a false sense of security that I can, I can make up for any, any packing deficiencies at the end of the day because that would be a myth. It, it certainly can help the, the last end of the day going into that bunker, but uh, you know, it's basically just getting the extra equipment around there. What are some of the economic advantages you see for producers who utilize corn silage as part of their feeding feed resource? You know, the, to, to me, the economic advantages are, are twofold. It's, it's a nice consistent feed that you put up in a very quick manner and you, and you do it early in the harvest. So it, it's got advantages to the feedlot in the respect that we got some consistency there. We, we've got a feed that has moisture in it so that if we've got a feedlot diet or a cow-calf diet that is very dry, we can add corn silage to get some moisture into that diet to make it a better diet. So we got some advantages there. Um, you know, just having a product that doesn't vary, that, that gives us some advantages. It, it's a safe product to work with. You know, it's, you've got that, that fiber component with the whole plant silage that helps on there. But really, when you, when you look at the economics of it, if it's your own corn that you're chopping, you have to look at, at those values as, as big as anything. You know, the, the dollars per acre that you can bring off, there's, there's no better way to utilize your, your farm ground than taking corn silage off of there. Now, obviously, we have to figure some, some nutrient replacement coming back when you take that whole plant off. Obviously, you don't have the, the P and K going back onto that ground for the next year. But the beauty of a, of a feedlot is, is you're, you're cycling that manure back onto that, that silage-chopped ground. So it, it's, a, it's an awesome recycle mechanism. You're, you're getting the most dollars per acre. You're, you're utilizing that manure back on that ground. And, and in some cases, you know, it becomes you can utilize corn silage on, on some ground that maybe was some 
ears that are some plants that were going to be barren you know maybe some of this dry weather we got some lighter ground where that that might not be 180 200 bushel corn but it might be 20 ton to the acre corn silage that we can utilize that way because the you know the feed value of that drought stricken corn silage can be 95 to 100 percent the feed value of regular corn silage so there's some places there where you get some value so to me, it's, it's benefits to the feed yard, benefits to the cattle, benefits to your agronomy side of your operation because you're, you're maximizing your dollars per acre. Producers are who are considering using corn silage. Maybe they have gotten away from corn silage for a while and now they're looking at the economics and also looking, as you said, maybe the price of hay and some of these other wet feed resources that maybe were more readily available in the past but more now are more challenging from a cost perspective. What are things you encourage producers to think through and really analyze as they think about the possibility of utilizing corn silage in their operation? You know, I, I think the first thing you have to look at is what's your storage structures. You know, if you've got a bunker, boy, that, that bunker works very well with corn silage, obviously. If you're bagging it, you have to figure that bagging expense in because obviously that, you know, you can add five, six, seven dollars a ton to the, to the cost of your product by, by figuring some bagging costs in. So storage structures and factoring in the total cost of that has to be factored in. You know, the, the other part of that equation goes back to the moisture level. If you've got a dry diet and silage helps that out, you know, that, that that's a good thing. If that ties that ration together, you know, if you were utilizing maybe a drier corn and, and some ground hay, that's a benefit. You know, and, and there's some folks, let, let's be honest, this cattle business been pretty tough the last year. There's some people saying, hey, if, if I can put silage up in the fall and it lasts me for 10, 11, 12 months and I don't have to write a checkout every week like I'm doing for my, my gluten and distillers, you know, there's some cash flow things that factor in that, that can be beneficial when you don't have to, to write a checkout for, for that corn silage every, every week or two. So, you know, it, it's all big picture things. You know, obviously, when you're utilizing corn silage, one of the challenges you have to work with is you're dealing with a seven to eight percent protein ingredient, which means you're you're going to have to, you know, if you want that feedlot ration up there in that 13, 14 percent, you're going to have to bring that protein up from somewhere else. So that's where it's nice to to utilize your your distillers and or gluten in there in conjunction with that. But you know, it's it's all big picture stuff. You, you, you got to factor all those things in, and, and um, that's what helps make the, some of those decisions for us. Well, David, anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic or things you see that producers you work with do well and maybe things you'd encourage others to consider as we point towards wrapping this up? Well, something to, to certainly – two things I'd like to make sure we cover. You know, corn silage obviously works well in a feedlot. And, you know, and we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the cow-calf side of things, but, boy, it's, it's an awesome feed for, for our stock cows in a dry lot scenario through those wintertime rations. You know, those maintenance requirements, obviously, in Nebraska and Iowa can get kind of tough in December, January, February, March. That corn silage, you know, being a, being a safe feed to work with brings a, a nice, safe energy source for us for those stock cows. You know, we see guys utilizing 10 to 35 pounds per cow per day works works great in those cow diets. You know, supplement some some uh, 
protein in there to, to balance that cow diet out. And that, that's a great feed stuff for cows at the right, in the right places. Another thing I want to make sure we talked about is, you know, looking at, at this dry stretch we've had the last few weeks, you know, nitrates are always a concern that we, we make sure we talk about. And with this stretch of dry weather, you know, this is, we're setting up where nitrates could potentially be an issue here in another three, four weeks when it comes harvesting time, especially if it continues to stay dry. Just a few comments on those nitrates. Raise that, that chopper head up a little bit. I, you know, I, I don't mind seeing that, that head 14 inches or higher, you know, when we're making dry corn silage off of, off a of dry ground that, that uh, experienced some droughty conditions. You know, the, the nitrates concentrate in the bottom of that stalk, and there's not that much feed value in the bottom 12 inches of that corn stalk anyway. So leave, leave a little bit of stalk out there. You know, you may have to be testing some of these uh, feedstuffs, whether it be corn silage or sorghum silage for nitrates as we get, get into this uh, harvesting season. So don't be afraid to test some things. Ease your cattle into those diets. Don't, don't just full bore them right onto corn silage, high amounts of it day one. You know, that, that's something we, we are best to ease into. You know, and, and the other thing is let it make sure it gets a good ferment. If we ferment these silages, uh, you know, if you give them their, their four weeks of good fermentation, you know, uh, the majority of the, the nitrate issues go away when you do that. So just, just be cognizant of what's going on there. You know, we certainly don't want to see, see uh, some cattle get tipped over because of nitrates. One more thing to talk about, a thing to consider on, on silages, you know, watching out for, for doing too much on highly erodible ground. Obviously, we, we want to make sure we're, we're taking, care of, taking care of that dirt. You know, and utilizing rye as a cover crop after corn silage works very, very well. So that's, uh, that's just some things to kind of to talk about when you're looking big picture on silage production. Well, thanks again for joining me today, David. You bet. It's been a pleasure, Aaron. For more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I'd encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the 2020 Silage for Beef Cattle Conference webinar series is posted there, and you can find more information on the topics that were discussed today.